0: Hello and welcome to Eating Between the Lines. I am your host, Therese Martinez, and I am so happy to have you here. If you want to untangle yourself from diet culture conditioning and get appropriate actionable options to nourish your unique life and body, I'm going to dive deep into the nuanced spectrum of health to help you figure out what to prioritize in your journey without getting trapped in the extreme ideology of health optimization, Or total complacency. I am here to help you apply the science effectively, not rigidly, and get you feeling better in your body and mind. Here is how to eat between the lines. Hello, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I am excited for this conversation today we've got gina graham on she is a licensed clinical social worker in the western suburbs of chicago specializing in eating disorders body image depression anxiety and women's issues gina is also a passionate portrait photographer photographing teen portraits and portraits of women to empower them and show them their natural and unique beauty Gina has developed a unique blend of using portrait photography in therapy and offering time-limited sessions to focus on an improved body image. Gina also recently published a book called Body Beautiful, How Changing the Conversation About Our Bodies Has the Power to Change the World. The book is a collection of stories, art, quotes, information, and inspiration to challenge cultural messages for girls and women about body weight, and appearance and inspire them to focus on what they are here to do in the world. This is just everything and more of what I want <laughs> to dive into and like, ah, oh, just totally encompassing so much of my messaging and curiosity of uh, society and our culture and the world. Gina, uh, welcome. How are you?
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Yes, yes, of course. How are things going in Chicago?
1: Good, good. We um we are just uh, you know, kind of hunkering down for our change of seasons here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um Chicago is just such a fun and amazingly cool city. But anybody that's been here in certain months of the year knows that sometimes it can, you know, be a little oh, bit yeah. Brutal. So we're mm-hmm. we're just ready for like fall, which can be really pretty. And particularly with photography, being outside mm-hmm. this year is just really beautiful. And and you know, we get lots of pretty colors. So yeah, yeah in the thick of all of it, you know. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. And in practice, it's good.
0: Sounds uh sounds comparable to Spokane Washington and Washington State, kind of in general, where it's like, I will recommend to come out here till I'm blue in the face, but I'll be like, but make sure it's these months, <laughs> unless you're, uh, unless you're like super into snow and winter and cold and yeah. gray and things, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And I didn't even think you had mentioned with the photography kind of having this be like a particularly nice season. It's you've got to probably have just that eye, all the time, like even just like traveling, probably thinking about, you know, in the back of your mind, like this is good lighting. This is like, this would probably be great over here. It's just a it's a yeah. knowledge base I do not have and just not something on the forefront of my mind, but you probably, I imagine seasons make a big difference with that kind of, uh, lens. Totally.
1: Totally. It's really interesting. Cause I, um, was always interested in photography growing up, but it was definitely, you know, I definitely sort of had this mindset early on that I wasn't a creative person. And so in a lot of ways, um, I just didn't, you know, I love the way you said, like kind of looking at the world through a specific lens. I just didn't really Allow myself to kind of explore those things. And so when I did start to get into photography, it is funny how much I've become even more of a visual person in that way. So even, you know, like odd little things I notice, I'm like, I bet that's, you know, part of the photography piece or this or that the way I kind of walk around and notice things or frame things or even just um, because I tend to, I mean, this is a little bit technical, but I tend to be kind of a, a natural light shooter, which means I don't use flash. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to not use like mm-hmm. studio lighting and things like that. And so I'm almost always in my spaces, like turning off lights and just like studying how natural light falls or just more comfortable in natural light. So it's yeah. little secrecies like that, that I'm like, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably specific to, you know, um, this, uh, this passion that I have. And yeah. To be in the world through that medium. So, yeah, yeah,
0: totally. Well, we were just talking too about how much you enjoy like sunlight and being outside in the nicer weather and such, which I think, you know, many people could probably relate to. But now I'm all kind of curious if like that has a lot of correlation to just kind of the enjoyment of of the art form that, that natural light has with what you do too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I very
1: much just, am always noticing light, light and shadows and, mm-hmm. you know, like the strength of the light or the quality of the light or the color of the light or, you yeah. know, all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah.
0: Cool. How yeah. long have you been doing photography? Well,
1: in this capacity, I've been doing it for, I would say I really started teaching myself how to do photography in more of a kind of formal way um, when my kids were really little. So I have two boys that are 14 and 16. And when I was home in those like early toddler years, um, I was just getting really frustrated with like pictures that I was taking on a point and shoot camera. Um, I grew up you know, interested in photography. My dad was really interested in photography. I learned a lot about, you know, watching him photograph different moments of our life and things. And so I just kind of picked up a camera as a young mom, like, okay, I just want to document these days. But, you know, when you've got little ones at home, you know, they say like the days are long and the years are short. Mm-hmm. And, um you know, there were some days where I just kind of felt like, okay, you know, everybody's here, they're safe, they're contained, what is a way to kind of stimulate my, my creativity or my thinking? And, um, you know, how can I kind of, you know, take something away from this day that, you know, just stimulates me. And so I just kind of started learning photography, I got an entry level um, DSLR camera, and just kind of between what I learned in high school and the darkroom back you know mm, in the yeah, yeah. um just kind of started piecing together some knowledge and just kind of it mm. from there it really took off. Oh, um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh. So awesome. Well, yeah. well, let's uh let's kind of dig in. I want to kind of keep going with the photography topic, oh. but let's back it up a little bit. Yeah. I Can you kind of break down a little bit of what you do and how you got into this field and line of work?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for over 20 years now, I've been a licensed clinical social worker working specifically with the eating disorder population. So um, very early on in my career, I was on a behavioral health hospital unit working at the inpatient and intensive outpatient level of care, specifically on Um, the eating disorders unit. And then a few years after that had kind of transitioned into doing private practice work. So, you know, backing up even further, when I went into my, um, my graduate degree to get my master's in social work, I always kind of knew that I wanted to work with this population, I knew I wanted to eventually land in private practice because of the flexibility for having a family and, um, you know, making your own schedule and being autonomous in that way was very important to me. So those were things that even before I had a family, or even before I was fully licensed, were kind of on my radar. Um, I had had the uh, benefit of working with a clinician in private practice work, when I was in college, going through some of of my own struggles with body image and cultural Mm -hmm messaging around food and weight and exercise that I had really struggled with from you know about middle school on and so a lot of those issues for me came to a head when I was in college and I was a far away from home at college Um, I grew up you know in one part of the country and went to college in another part of the country and in dealing with All of that had the privilege of working with an incredible therapist who, um, really helped kind of set me on this trajectory and also kind of gave me a a model really in a lot of ways in watching her be a mom raising her boys, but still having this career where she was able to, you know, give back and, and, um, you know, be passionate about helping people. So all of those things kind of came together for me, um. And I I kind of knew early on that I would want to do private practice work. So, you know, over the years, it's kind of, um, you know, transition to where I don't exclusively work with the eating disorder population, but it's always been a niche. And early on when I started, there were not a lot of practitioners that could say that they knew how to treat. In fact, I used to have people get referred to me saying, you know, like therapists and psychiatrists are saying like, I, I, I don't feel comfortable with us. I don't know how to help these clients. And so, um, kind of having that niche, um, you know, really attracted a lot of people, especially early on when the, there just wasn't that many practitioners yeah. In the area. Yeah.
0: So, Interesting. Yeah. And then yeah. how did the, the photography kind of come into play too?
1: Yeah. So that was kind of, I don't know. It was, it was just sort of something that started to dawn on me over time. I mean, you know, I was always working with clients around the issues of body image and I tended to be more experiential in nature and, you know, just kind of was always looking for different things to kind of grab onto that would be meaningful or have some kind of resonance. Um, The body image piece, you know, is just the hardest part, right? It's so ingrained in our culture. And even when we can kind of get clients to a place of being in recovery from active behaviors and pathology, there's still this struggle for body image. You know I mean? I think that's part of what inspired the book is it's like, I don't know a single, you know, female and a lot of males, you know, for that matter, walking around Mm -hmm. who would say that they haven't in some way struggled with some aspect of their body image or the way that they feel about their bodies. And so, um, You know, I was always early on using photographs and timelines and different things to kind of try to understand that discrepancy between how someone experiences their body and how they see it. And how that can be so different from how an outsider would see it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I would, you know, kind of using the classic example of being on the unit in my early days with an, someone who was admitted to the inpatient, who was on an NG tube feeding tube, you know, needing to be in a wheelchair because their body was so emaciated, but them really explaining and struggling with how they saw themselves as a larger, You know, heavier weighted person than they actually were. Mm -hmm. So I was always trying to get at that distortion. And I very early on was using any tool I could to understand individually with people what was triggering that distortion or how we could try to shift that distortion. And so when I was doing more portrait photography, it kind of was like this thing that was just like a side hustle, right? Like, and I was doing like more family photography then. And people were like, hire me to book, you know, Christmas card photos. And it just eventually started to dawn on me, like well, I'm working with all of these clients and their photographs and they trust me. And we have this relationship. Mm-hmm. So what would it be like if I, if I took photos of them and we tried to make it visually, artistic or in some way meaningful. And then we really sat together and tried to dive into like, okay, well, what are you really seeing? Right. Yeah, um, gosh, that's
0: fascinating.
1: So, so I was, so I kind of started really doing it just with my own clients because, you know, they trusted me and, you know, they, they, they kind of, you know, were, I think a little bit more able to jump on board because they kind of knew in the context of the work that we'd been doing, where it might fit. So, um, so yeah, so I just kind of started doing it with my own clients and, um, you know, and then the pandemic hit and, you know, I kind of found myself doing more virtual clinical sessions and taking on more of a caseload than I think I typically would because of the nature of this crisis. And just, we were anyone working in this field or in mental health was just Mm -hmm. inundated with, you know, calls to help were struggling. We, we saw a real uptick in eating disorder pathology, you know, as, as you know, um, you know, during the pandemic. And so I was just working a lot in the clinical realm and kind of missing the photography piece. Right. And so when things were s- opening up and safe enough to at least like be in a space with someone, um, you know, at that point, my wheels were already turning about, you know, how can I create this project that is very photography driven and focusing on, you know, just the diversity of our bodies and the beauty of the diversity of all of our sizes and shapes. And how do I put all those pieces together? So, you know, it's kind of evolved over time into, you know, just working with clients one-on-one and then, you know, putting out this book and,
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Oh man. I love it so much. That's Mm a, it just, um, I kind of keep playing. I am playing my own make-believe experience that I would have in that, that realm when I was a little bit more in the depth of my own battle. And then additionally, like patience of mine and how this would be beneficial. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to like, so how does this Oh gosh. Cause there is, there is such a spectrum of, of eating disorders. Right. Sure. And I, I, I find that many people kind of say, well, I'm not, I'm not like bad enough. like quoting that. Right. So sure. I don't, I don't actually binge and purge, or I don't actually like restrict to a clinical point. And so, which is a whole other thing because of mm-hmm. the metrics that are only utilized for it to be considered anorexic and things like that. But in any case, behaviors don't manifest to be like bad enough. But I see, like you said, like I see people come in that have a degree of disordered eating or poor relationship with food and body, like without a doubt, to some degree, most people have something going on. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to picture like, working with you and, ha- and seeing my own pictures and kind of like just understanding like that visceral response and the immediate like judgments that come into play and then what happens from there so is it like do you kind of roll through like I don't know if you practice any dialectic behavioral therapy, but there's a skill that's called check the facts. And so you just Mm -hmm. kind of keep rolling through the narratives that come into your mind and and identify them, work on combating them and 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 hopefully get to a point of a little bit more uh, settlement in, you know, realizing kind of the. I don't know, the false narratives that come into your mind um, and the practice there, but what does it look like coming into yeah. your practice? What does that breakdown to look like?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting from the standpoint. Well, first of all, for, well, from the standpoint of doing the photography body image piece, um, there are a few parameters that I will have around that to begin with. So I won't do this work with anyone who isn't fully weight restored. Um, mm-hmm. So I won't do this work with anyone who, you know, is actively, engaging in nutrition therapy to kind of get back to that sort of set point, right? Or to kind of be at this kind of considered restored weight. So it really is sort of looking at it through this body image perspective of, okay, you've really done a lot of great work on the behaviors that you're struggling with. Um, And you might still be struggling in some way, but there's not necessarily this kind of like active eating disorder piece because we know too enough about how, you know, just being malnourished in general is going to, you know, kind of contribute to some body image distortion and just some different things that we know happen in the brain Mm -hmm. in terms of contributing to some of that distorted self-image and self-perception. So so I am always kind of working with people who are a little further along in the recovery mm. process. Mm-hmm. And my kind of work prior to that, or kind of where we start off with is at least this assumption that someone is wanting to challenge the cultural narrative, wanting to challenge the you know, kind of um, very narrow definition of how we sort of are all bombarded with kind of these visuals of how our body is supposed to look, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, let's at least establish that you are open to this idea of, you know, not all bodies are supposed to look alike and there's no one definition of what beauty looks like. There's no one definition of what fitness looks like. There's no one vision of what health looks like. So we kind of try to open that up a little bit to prime someone for sitting with the reality of what their body actually is in this, hopefully more health restored place. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, when you talk about the cultural piece, you and I both probably have just so much accumulated experience of people that come to see us who are suffering emotionally, who are suffering with health issues because they sort of look the part of what society would say is like, you know, fit Mm -hmm. or healthy, but that's not their natural body's size and shape when they're behaving in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of reintroducing themselves to their physical self is kind of what we're working on. Mm -hmm. And so I've had a lot of really interesting experiences and I can never really anticipate, although I will say I've had far more positive experiences than one would think doing this work, which is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. When I talk to people who are in the field, they're like, I can see how this would just be a landmine of like triggers. And how do you navigate like the emotional reaction that you get? And of course, those things do happen. But my experience overall has been that people really can kind of see themselves differently through these images. And the way that I do try to shoot them is, um, you know, I try to be artistic and kind of really focus on what's a beautiful portrait. Right. And so I, I, my hope is that they can kind of look at it and see like, that's a pretty picture, or I don't look the way that I feel in my body. And that does tend to be a fairly typical response. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, that being said, you could take pictures of probably, a lot of us in our culture and show, you know, us a picture of ourselves, and then we kind of like pick it apart, right? So like, I don't like this. I don't like that. I see this, I see that. So a lot of it is just kind of working through that cognitive piece. You know, DBT skills are always great in terms of reality checking and even just looking at radical acceptance, like, okay, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: like you don't love this part of your body. So how do you live in the world In a healthy and constructive way, when this is the way this part of your body actually is, right? Mm -hmm. Because we know, you can do all kinds of unhealthy and destructive things to try to change that part of your body, or this size and shape of your body. And that's not even going to guarantee that it's going to work. But you know what's the cost of all of that so can we actually look at this image with radical acceptance and instead say okay maybe i don't like the way my tummy looks or my thighs look but i really think my eyes look beautiful or i really love this image because of all these other things right mm-hmm. and so it's kind of trying to kind of practice even more just you know body acceptance and um you know it doesn't even necessarily have to be coming at this like positive place, although my experience right. can sometimes really get to that positive place sooner than I think they might. Yeah, um, there's something about putting the image in front of them that makes them be like, that's me, you know what I mean
0: mm-hmm. yeah, that's really interesting. I uh, yeah, a couple things. Like one, so relatable to have the experience of feeling one way in your body and then seeing yourself and having like a little bit of a a reaction, right? Yeah. Like a negative reaction. Sometimes that can even be it's not even seeing yourself. Maybe that's also put like getting on a scale. And like there's yeah. some sort of like desire to confirm what's happening inside of you so that you can not like, like, um, for lack of a better term, like let yourself go without knowing it. And that can just be in any regard to health, right. Not necessarily just weight, whatever it is, but like, we're kind of talking about like the scale. So a little bit more around the weight there, but I have had experiences where I will feel so good, like so good, capable, strong, able, and I will have looked in like walking past a window or something like that. And it will be like, Whoa, really? No. And then boom, cascade of thoughts. Like, have I not been like moving enough? Have I not been eating well enough? Have I not like, you know, what's the deal? Like, well, you know, all these things that then kind of come up and then these judgments and then, and it's so interesting. I've done, I've done so much therapy through my life that like, I've kind of understood how to track my thoughts and then Mm -hmm. kind of see where it's all leading. And then also kind of identify the fear Around it. And I think, I mean, it's just, there's just so many layers to kind of unpack here, but it is, it is so fascinating to kind of actually see this train, this train of thought go through your mind and then be able to kind of catch certain thoughts and like, like, pause them and really yeah. dissect them to be like, whoa, like you are getting upset right now because of, you know, whatever you saw in the mirror and mm-hmm. you just felt so good in your body. What yeah. is it? What is it that have the, having a, you know, a bigger stomach or whatever it is that you saw, like, what does that mean to you? What does that actually say about you? Sure. You know, what is the narrative? that you think is coming in that now changes the way you feel and think about yourself because of that versus being in your body, being in and connected to your body. It's like the immediate reaction takes you out of your body. And I, I find that to be such an imperative understanding and disconnect when it comes to disordered relationships with food and body, because it is not your own interpretation. It is other people's and the wiring we have just been so ingrained with for so long. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's crazy. I see it a lot with, um, when people track calories and like track macronutrients and all of that can be a great tool sometimes, but it's this whole thing of like, you are you're not listening to what your body needs and wants. And you are strictly following these calculated numbers that most times are not actually accurate for you, right? They're formulaic. They like, don't really know you. Uh, And again, and again, yeah, they can have a place for some folks, but I do think that it's just another way that we get disconnected. We're afraid we're out of our body. Any Mm -hmm. thoughts with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think, you know, ultimately talking about this idea of embodiment and intuition Mm -hmm. is so powerful. Right. And I think really, when I think about my ultimate goals for people that I work with is to get to that place, right. Where everything kind of comes through this filter of how does my body feel? um, And how do I feel in my body? Now we cannot, uh, we cannot, and part of you know, where I've struggled with doing portrait photography and even using the word beautiful very Mm -hmm. intentionally, by the way, like I just have not slapped, I don't slap that word around thinking like, you know, meaning it in this conventional sense. Like I'm very intentionally using that word because I want us to reclaim it. But, you know, it's like, I've really struggled with like, Ooh, I'm like very much immersed in digital media imagery when this is part of the problem right so how do you be in that world mm-hmm. and be part of the solution and not part of the problem because part of what you're talking about is like the inescapability for us in terms of everything especially image driven that we're seeing constantly right like it's 2023 i've been doing this for over 20 years and the the surgence of real Women and, and and young growing girls in terms of like media representation or even just like media representation across the board for all body types, sizes, shapes, colors, all of those things like it's still so new. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I was like very much in the trenches trying to kind of work with people around media and advertising when the Dove campaign came on the scene, like what, like 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. it was like this mind blowing, like what they put like real women in their underwear on the side of the highway on a billboard to sell soap. And it was like mind blowing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was spending so much time and energy trying to convince people that like the images that we see in media are not real. They are airbrushed. There are tricks. There are things that they're doing, and all my clients were like, "I don't get that. Like, I think that they look in real life like they do on the cover of the magazine." And so, this is all very newly happening Mm -hmm. in culture, particularly for females. But there's a whole slew of things we could we could have a whole separate podcast about men and males and boys. Oh, yes, and other populations um, that don't identify as female. There's like a whole slew, but. But the point is that, you know, it, this is all newly part of the conversation. So just this week, I've been seeing things on my social media feed about how brave and heroic. And remarkable it is that Pamela Anderson, who if people don't necessarily know who she was, she was like a star, like a, you know, star of like a show. She was just considered this like bombshell, beautiful woman in the 90s um, who, however old she is now, recently showed up in an award show with no makeup on. And it's like, wow, that is like groundbreaking. And everybody's like, she's so brave. And it's like, she's brave because she didn't like Put all of you know, and Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not saying that it's not brave, but I am just saying that it's like, you know, we're not used to seeing what real bodies, real skin, real texture looks like. And we're constantly evaluating ourselves about that. And that comes from like the deep survival hardwired parts in the brain that cannot help but compare and contrast. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about embodiment, There is this piece of how do I get to where I can live in a culture that is image saturated. It's inevitable for me to struggle with body image from an image saturated cultural place. But I have to have the tools to work through that and get back to this place of feeling embodied or feeling intuitive or feeling in tune with my body. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, you talk about like, you know, catching yourself out of the corner of your eye, I had someone that um, I was talking to for a podcast, you know, a couple of years ago. And she asked me like, when do you feel the most beautiful? And my answer was like, probably the time culture would say I'm the least beautiful, right? Like I'm a woman in middle age. So it, for me, it's like on the beach Like I've literally been in the ocean with like salt in my hair, like no makeup on, in a bathing suit, all of my lumps and bumps on display for everybody to see, right? Like culturally, our culture would say like, that's not me at my most quote unquote beautiful. That's when I feel the most myself, the most free, right? Mm -hmm. So, So whenever I work with people around imagery or anything related to body image, it's like Before they even leave the photo shoot, my experience nine times out of 10 or 10 times out of 10 is that people are saying to me, that was not nearly as bad as I thought it was. That was fun. I feel really good. They leave feeling empowered, excited, seen, worthy, beautiful Mm -hmm. because of the energy in the shoot Mm -hmm. and they haven't even seen the images yet. So when they see the images, if their reaction takes them to a place where they don't feel those feelings, it's like, but that's how you felt, right? So how do we connect those dots and how do we look oh, at yes. difference between how you felt in that moment versus mm-hmm. now how you're judging that through this cultural lens, through yes. this media saturated image driven lens? And can you see anything else or how do you work with that?
0: That is so, yes, that is so interesting. Oh my gosh. I love that the way that you kind of uh, painted that picture too, because it is, it's so true. It's like when you feel a certain way going through like a photo shoot or whatever you feel, like you said, the most beautiful. And then if you snap a photo and there's an immediate disconnect, there is reason for the disconnect, right? There Mm -hmm. is wiring that for some reason, tells you that it is not true. And mm. so yeah, connecting that is so what a great route for therapy. I love that. I love yeah. that. There's such a, a challenge that I have found too around, I mean, you're talking about images like in the media and how, you know, you probably have an even greater knowledge of how things are like airbrushed and like oh, yeah. and filtered and all of that. And yeah. I think just growing up, I've been told this all the time, right? It's, it's Photoshopped. It's Photoshopped. It's not real. It's like over and over and over again, there is the knowledge, but the belief lacks It's like, and trying to figure out a way to make something resonate more. So it feels more true to you is really hard. And I think that that comes in a lot of different areas when we're thinking about body image and attractiveness and all of that. Cause it's like, you can be told, well, you know, this person's beautiful. All bodies, shape, sizes, colors, what have you are beautiful. And you can kind of like, know it, but for some reason, the belief is still lacking, or it's like not true for you for some reason, it's not true for you. Um, and I think that's another really interesting area to dig into with, um, with the therapy, I recently listened to, um, do you listen to the Glennon Doyle podcast? I we can do. Do <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I swear I bring this up like every podcast, but like they, um, they had a gal, Hillary, I want to say like Hillary McDuff or something. Her book is like right behind me, but she was talking about, she's combated, um, uh, disordered eating in her uh, life as well. And she, Talked about the benefits of psychedelics uh-huh. in her therapy, which I found really interesting in a way that like is just that it's 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 creating the actual belief around the knowledge, and I found that to be like just so key. And I'm not I'm not recommending that everyone go do psychedelics or anything like oh. that, but I just found like that that component. I mean, it, it's really, it's so true because I feel like people can just learn and learn and learn and learn. And yeah, we have a lot of rewiring to do. So it's not harming us to try to bombard ourselves with this other knowledge and reiterate. And sometimes it just doesn't stick. It just yeah. doesn't stick. Um, And so anywho, do you have any like thoughts on that component?
1: Yeah. I mean, Definitely. I think, you know, what's exciting is we are newly having these conversations and breaking these things down and kind of trying to understand, you know, even like, okay, well, what's the conversation around body acceptance and what does that mean? And what does body neutrality mean? And what's this movement that I see on social media sometimes about body positivity, right? Mm -hmm. So we're kind of like starting to understand body image through all of these different pieces and ways of talking about it. And then that's happening alongside, you know, some research and changes in the mental health field in terms of understanding, you know, um, our perceptions and how our neurochemistry and, you know, neuroplasticity and all of those things are kind of wiring and firing. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely, you know, unfortunately, I think, you know, particularly for eating disorders, you know, it is still far, far, far behind so many other significant mental health issues in terms of like research and funding and really Mm. trying to understand it. Um, And, you know, there's a book I read recently that really breaks down like how far behind any research into understanding the pathology of eating disorders is relative, you know, to other mental health issues that impact a a much smaller part of the population. So, you know, hopefully we continue to look at the things like, you know, how psychedelics might help and how different cutting edge science things might help the neuroplasticity piece. But, you know, I really think that the reality for most people struggling with these issues is that they're not necessarily going to land in a place where they're like, I wake up every day and I feel really amazing and positive and beautiful about my body. Right. And so it's almost kind of, again, going back to that radical acceptance of, you know what, like we are up against such an incredibly high mountain of cultural forces and bombardment and historical, patriarchy, and all of these things that have really stacked the deck against us living in this positive, embodied, peaceful place. And it's not to say we don't aim for it and develop tools and absolutely try to spend as much time in those places as possible, but it's to really normalize the struggle Mm -hmm. and to normalize that for some, you know, for a lot of people on some days, it's like, how do I just focus today on what my body can do for me? Right. Mm -hmm. It's coming back to like, I'm just going (laughs) to release the hope and the expectation that today's the day where I'm going to feel really positive in my body. It's like, I just want to kind of break even with, you know what? I didn't love it, but I'm going to try to not be at war with it. I'm going to try to not engage in either mental or physical or behavioral um, patterns that don't honor me and my body, or don't serve me well, or make me feel bad about myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I, um, you know, the book, the book is very much you know, not designed to necessarily be a how-to book about body image or a book specifically even about eating disorders, but I do offer little nuggets at the end of each chapter to say, you know, here's some things to keep in mind. And one of the things that I, you know, talk a lot to clients about is this idea of reverse the golden rule. You know, most of my clients that come in are such loving, caring, wonderful humans that like are the best friends or the best listeners or like the best cheerleaders for other people, um, you know, and they would never say to someone else what they say to themselves about themselves. Yeah. So instead of treating, you know, others the way that you want to be treated, treat yourself the way that you treat others you know? Mm-hmm. And so I talk a lot with clients about like, let's reverse the golden rule. And maybe today you just don't beat yourself up and pick yourself apart and, yeah. and, and and be in that place of just, you know, focusing on what you're even here to do. Right. Like, that's why I really loved your concept of like, I think you call it the juice. It's like, mm-hmm. what's getting you out of bed in the morning. It's definitely not like, you know how you look, right? right? It's like what really gets you going. Everything that we know about like flow state and everything mm-hmm. about like what really switches people on. It's generally not about our aesthetic appearance related perception, right. yeah, for others. So yeah. sometimes, like you know, it's coming back to like, what are you? Why would you even get out of bed t- today? Like, what what can you do that's meaningful? Yeah, maybe it's just your vehicle to do that and just start there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that like the body positivity that you're kind of talking about, I I've been exploring a lot more of these, like, I don't know, like movements and such as of late and really digging into like the history of trying to solve the obesity epidemic. And you yeah. just mentioned patriarchy. It's was like, this goes so far back with yeah. like, why this narrative has even started with how women need to look. And it's just wild, but beyond that <laughs> working on an understanding of the body positivity movement, I have also kind of learned, Oh, like what you were talking about, where it's not to just be like rah rah about your body, all the, all the minutes of the day. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I don't have to love my body today. Like in the sense, like I don't have to like it, but I can respect it. I can still treat it with respect. And I think that kind of like I don't know for me, it's like, huh? Okay, good. Like, so then I'm not failing or something. If I'm not, if I have a bad body image day, or if there is something that just feels like, uh, okay, a little off. Cause it, like you said, it makes sense. It makes sense. And it's okay. And we still don't need to engage in, in behaviors that are going to be harmful or destructive um, mentally or physically. Right. And so I really like that let's see here. So, um, anything else that you are kind of curious to chat about today? I mean, I feel like we could talk for so long. I mean, first question I was like, ah, so there's so many layers to, to dig it in with the, with mental health around food and body and, it's like the historically speaking, how this is all like shaped the way that we kind of live and perceive the world in so many ways. I don't know. Any, any thoughts?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just definitely think that, you know, what's interesting about being an eating disorder professional for so many years is this assumption that, you know, recovery looks like, you know, deciding that, you know, you're going to just like eat a certain way and be okay with all the things and it won't, you know, and I can eat all of these foods and it won't bother me. And I've always really kind of bucked against, you know, this idea that we can't kind of really tie together this idea of recovery from a health focused place. You know, I mean, I think you know, even as someone who myself is getting older and kind of reaching this stage of life where myself and my friends are all going through different things related to how our bodies are changing at this like developmental stage, I'm just—it's like my 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 lens and my eyes are just even like more opened up to like just how how can we tie it all together about health and well-being in every sense of the word. That's why I was so excited to talk to you. Because it is about food and nutrition and taking care of ourselves that way. It is about longevity. It is about energy. It is about staying rested and taking care of ourselves through sleep and movement. So I love the fact that like, we could look at this from so many different jumping off points, right? It's like, okay, if you're struggling in your relationship with your body, maybe you start to think about your relationship to food, right? Like I love a good, you know, cheeseburger. I love French fries. Like we, we all, you know, I very much practice like all foods in moderation. Mm -hmm. There is no doubt that when we kind of talk again about embodiment and intuition, that different foods respond differently in my body. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is true of all of us. Like Mm -hmm. some foods give us more energy. Some foods make us feel lethargic. Some foods feel a little heavier. Some foods don't digest well. Right. So it's kind of like really looking at You know, how do we live in this overall way that honors our health and takes care of ourselves? Because ultimately we are here for something greater than Mm -hmm. ourselves, whether that's like where we get our juice or what we're doing that gets us out of bed in the morning, our creativity, the things that we're here to do, the gifts that we're here to share, the work that we do, whatever, you know, our bodies and our health is like the vehicle to get us there. Right. Right. I just love that people can be struggling with body image, but we can say, well, maybe you start by just trying to get enough sleep, Mm -hmm. start by just being hydrated as you go. And so it's really giving people such a wide range of places to say, I might not be ready to tackle this. I might not be ready to like go and be photographed and like start to think about my body image, but I can start to think about how to not beat myself up if my friends are going out for ice cream and that's part of what we're doing and I want to enjoy that. Or Mm -hmm. I can, you know, think about how movement honors my body and helps my mental health or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just love the perspective of it not being just about like recovery from one thing, not being just about eating disorders, but really broadening the horizon to just being about health in general. Yeah. There's so many different avenues even to explore in terms of like the cultural wellness health space, like can be loaded with misinformation and things that trigger people to totally. have so kind of like, how do we, how do we take, whether it's imagery or, you know, health and wellness and make it really positive and empowering and truly Mm -hmm. helpful and healthy for people. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's so many different layers of of what health is and what it means. And I think it's just so tempting to latch on to what you feel like is going to fix it all. Right. And then instead of kind of bringing it down to foundations, while also recognizing there is an amount to do with like trying to restore relationship with food and movement and what have you. Right. But it's, Mm -hmm. it's seeing, I don't know, so much of it is developing the, the understanding that, food is here to nourish you and also to be like a a spectrum of experiences, right? And so is movement. And so versus utilization for body manipulation, right? And so coming stepping away from that, redesigning that relationship, I think is so helpful. And then to expand on it, to expand and understand, oh yeah. And also, stress plays a big role. The amount sure. of stress that like is, uh, heightened when a person is so preoccupied by food and body is bananas. I remember I was in therapy at one point and my, my therapist was like, what, what does it feel like to you? If you were to just kind of picture yourself without these thoughts, you know, without the preoccupation. And it was just like, mind blowing it was like like just weights lifted off my shoulder and it was like wait 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 what do i think about like yeah. oh my gosh i have so much mental capacity now yeah, to yeah. to go into other things help other people do more yeah. with my life and and it's just crazy how that can really translate And it's just so helpful to recognize the nuance of health, which is so much of what this podcast like wants, like dives into, um, because it's not just one of these things and nutrition can play a huge role and movement can play a huge role. It's just not isolated. And so if we are at the point in a recovery or in our own ability to have like whatever relationship with food that we're having, maybe it's time to put a pause on like trying to perfect our intake. And we look to these other other pillars that may make a difference too. And then we start to kind of continue to compound, recognizing the area that can use a little bit more work that might make a little bit more of a difference. And then we just keep moving forward in that regard. And so I think that's helpful. And I also think that like, I don't know. Um, the whole like health movement is like, I don't know a whole other topic, but (laughs) I have to really learn and check myself to not project health on other people. Like it's not my decision to help them like want to be healthier. Right. It has to do with them. And it's not, yeah, I think that that just gets shoved in people's faces too. And it, it doesn't help the situation. It just shoulds on people and feels daunting and overwhelming. And then people go back to their old coping mechanisms and just feel guilt and shame. And so, yeah.
1: Well, and we can see the ways too, that it just makes people truly sick. I mean, there's a a story of a woman in the book, you know, the the book is very much kind of story driven. And I really did a lot of interviews. It's interesting because I set out to just mainly capture photography and I wanted Mm -hmm. to coffee table, art, photo book. And it totally took on like a totally different direction because I would show up to photograph someone and be like, let's talk for like five or 10 minutes about body image. Just thinking like, I'll get a quote or a nugget that maybe I can caption by the side of the photograph. And an hour and a half later through tears, I'm hearing their whole life story of their relationship with their body. And I, Mm -hmm. it became so, and this happened multiple times in quick succession. And I was like, this is what the book is supposed to be about. Right. Mm. And so it ended up being so much more story driven where people just share their experiences. And then the, the question is, okay, as you read the book, what do you relate to? What sounds familiar? What do you think about that? You externalize something through someone else's story that maybe you're also thinking about. Mm-hmm. And what is ha- what happens for you when you externalize it and see it through the perspective of somebody else struggling with that, right? And so there's a woman who so bravely shared her story. She's actually like a health and fitness coach now who, um, you know, who her story boils down to like she got the gold star at the gym you know what i mean like she like lost all of this weight she looked the part of like the uber health and fitness person on the cover of the health and fitness magazine but she was physically so deteriorated she was exhausted she was obsessive about mm-hmm. like everything on the food scale she was in adrenal fatigue like she was miserable And everywhere she went, she was getting these kudos, particularly from the health and wellness space about how amazing she looked and how healthy she looked. And it started to really hit her like, if this is what health is supposed to be, I don't, I mean, I feel like garbage, Mm -hmm. right? what she said to me was literally like, I feel like garbage and everyone's telling me I'm so much healthier than I was when I was living in a larger body with less muscle mass. Yep. Right. And so it's really about just having a critical eye on all of this. Right. Because the assumption is well, if I look, I mean, this is what the messaging is too, constantly. I forget. I like, I forget what the current metric is for how many ads hit our eyeballs in a day. Right. But it's a lot. How many minutes we're on our phone, like how many times we're tapping our phone. Mm Like it's a lot. Right. And so, you know, the messaging is so insidious that like your life will be perfect and you will feel so good. If you just look this way, if you just get across this finish line or accomplish this goal and you and I will forever in these fields sit with people who are like, yeah, I did that. And it didn't work. Yeah. In fact, it landed me here and I'm sick and I'm unhappy and I'm obsessive and I'm depressed and I'm miserable because I'm chasing after something that I actually accomplished. And I still don't feel like it worked. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Right? Yep. Oh man. <laughs> well, uh, Gina, what a pleasure chatting. Um, I wanna be respectful of time. Wow. I oh man though. I would love to to pick this back up at another point for sure. I think that there's just so much talk about where um where can people find you?
1: Yeah. So people can find me at lifelensandlove.com and that's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. Um, it's on my website. The book is called body beautiful and that is available on Amazon. You can also find links to my website or, you know, if someone can't access it through, you know, some of those other channels, they can feel free to message me through my website, but yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Alrighty. Well, um, so good chatting ah, uh, I just, yeah. Want to keep going, but yes, know, <laughs> another time. I've, been,
1: I've been doing this a long time. I could talk for a long time, about, uh-huh. it, but that's what I love about this, to- this topic. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's just so many pieces and I just so appreciate you bringing me on in our conversation. And, um, I just, I love the work that you're doing. And, you know, like I said, when I heard you talking about the juice, I was like, that's where it's at, man. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're all going for. Right. Like That's what we're all waking up looking for, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Totally. I love love that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All righty. Well, I will talk to you later and catch you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening today. If you found this information valuable, please share this episode and give it a review. They truly help a ton. If you want additional support and information, you can head over to my website, teresemartinezrd.com, where you can snag my free guide on how to improve your hunger signals, get on my email list for regular juicy content, or apply for the next round of my signature program, Restoring Nutrition Intuition. Otherwise, Instagram at teresemartinezrd or my Facebook group, Fed Fit and Fad Free Nutrition with Terese, are always places for more content and support. Until next time.